Welcome to Were the Kids Alright, a podcast where we analyze the books we read as kids. My name is Jacqueline and I use they, them, or she, her pronouns. And my name is Sophie and I use she, her pronouns. We're two walking quarter-life crises who read a lot as children and now have thoughts. Because crises. Words are fake. (laughs) (laughs) We will get into spoilers, so that's your warning for that. This week's content warnings are racism, European stereotyping, discussion of homophobia and body image, objectification, mental illness as a punchline, and finally, a young, culturally ignorant protagonist. This week, we read four things my geeky jock... (laughs) I hate this title. (laughs) This week, we read four things my geeky jock of a best friend must do in Europe by Jane Harrington. This book follows Brady, a teenager from Washington, D.C., who goes on a Mediterranean cruise with her mom. Before the trip, Brady's best friend, Delia, writes four things her geeky jock of a best friend must do in Europe on Brady's hand in permanent marker, as pictured on the cover. Look up the cover. The four things are as follows. One, write daily letters. Two, wear the bikini. Three, wear the bikini in public. And four, meet a code red Euro hottie. Brady does well with the first three of these, growing her self-confidence as she slowly warms to the aforementioned bikini and literally writing this physical book in letters to Delia. She makes some friends on the boat and explores different cities around the Mediterranean and has a few potential suitors who she doesn't like. Just after she's given up on the fourth task, she meets a code red Euro hottie on the plane back to the States. And that's basically it. Yeah, it's a pretty simple book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so shall we start with background with the book? Yes. So I know that you've never read this before, Sophie. I certainly haven't. Yeah. Okay, so um, I have read this book before. Do I know why? No. Do I know <laughs> where this book came from? Also, no. I feel, okay, I feel like I have read it on a trip. Like, I think I brought it with me on a vacation that me and my family went on because my name is written in the cover. So that means I either like brought it when we were going out of the country or I brought it to camp. Also, possibly both. I don't remember buying this book. I don't know where it came from. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was probably a hand-me-down from someone else like someone else gave it to us and then I just like was looking around our house for a book but yeah that's my background with it I have a lot of nostalgia and a lot of the scenes in this book are like they have stuck in my brain especially the water bottle in the airplane at the very beginning where it's like the the water bottle squeezes and she compares it to her head I'm pretty sure I read that part on an airplane oh so it stuck with me yeah (laughs) makes sense yeah it's a very nostalgia book nostalgic book for me but I have no idea where it came from I have literally never heard of this book before for some reason the cover sounds familiar but I think that's just because it was a trend to have things written on hands on covers at one point like I can think of some other books where that might have been the case but yeah never heard of this book before i can understand why you would have nostalgia for it if you've been to these specific places oh i've never been to the places in this book (laughs) okay well i have not i haven't been to the places that i remember i've been to spain but i was two i've been to italy and though i haven't really been to these places it did remind me of going on a fast-paced european trip where you were trying to like get to as many places as you could within a small period of time Mm -hmm. so you know it made me nostalgic for traveling in the days where i was privileged (laughs) enough to travel the days of yore before corona. Yeah, the last time I went on a big trip was actually for our former winter term project, the one before the podcast winter term project. Right, yeah. There, 
London. Yeah. And we went to um, Hungary during that. Yes, that was a good time. But yeah, never heard of this book. So it seems super <laughs> random as a pick, but I'm glad Jacqueline <laughs> has nostalgia for it. You know, we got to pull these out of left field every once in a while. We can do the popular ones, but we also got to do the weird ones. Yeah. And we did just do Yang the Youngest and his terrible ear. So, you know, fair. Yeah. So do you want to do your first impression? Yeah. My first impression is that it's a nice, simple book. Like it is a nice, fast read. I read it in one sitting and I think it took me only 45 minutes. And another thing is that I felt the book was shouting at me all the time. <laughs> there is a fair amount of it that is in all caps. <laughs> I hate that so much. I felt like I was being shouted at by this random teenager from Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to feel. Like the thing is, there's not enough story for it to be like super interesting to me mm -hmm. in terms of what happens. And I was kind of hoping that she would get with Lon. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was heading that way, but then it didn't go that way. Mm -hmm. So that's fine, you know. Mm -hmm. It was fun to hear the things about the travels, especially when they went to Pompeii, because there's this BBC documentary on Pompeii that has reenactments of what was going on. And it's a very creepy documentary with this very sad part where they have all the actors running around and then they put them in the poses of the uh, plasters things. Oh my God. And then does it like and fade then, into the yes. plasters? Oh my God. That's spooky as hell. It it's so creepy and then they have like sad music playing mm -hmm. but it was fun to hear about Pompeii after watching that documentary it was like a thoroughly fine book yeah I think first impressions for me is I think it very well captures what it feels like to be 13 14 and traveling with your parents and that's probably part of why it's super nostalgic for me it has more problems than I caught on my first read of it but to be fair to me I read it when I was like a child so I'll cut myself some slack but I definitely enjoyed it I think it took me a little bit under an hour to read and I probably could have read it quicker if I wasn't also taking notes. But yeah, it's a fun book. Like Sophie said, it's thoroughly fine. <laughs> and honestly, I like the stylistic elements of it. Yeah. But that's very much like a matter of preference. I couldn't take the all caps. I'm sorry. I'm so used to italics at this point. I used to use all caps. Mm -hmm. Like people use italics. I would use both italics and all caps and it would be very confusing. I almost wish that Jane Harrington did a blend because it was just so off-putting to see every other word just capitalized randomly. Well, it was for emphasis. It was for emphasis, but you can do emphasis with italics. I guess for me, it didn't feel off-putting or out of place because the book is framed as a series of letters to her friend. And if I'm gonna try and do emphasis in a letter to someone, I'm either gonna do all caps or underline. That makes sense. It's, it's hard to hand, yeah, it's hard to handwrite italics. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is like the all caps created a voice. Yes. I might have not liked that voice because again, I felt like I was being shouted at, mm -hmm. but it did what it was probably intended to do. Yeah, I think it serves its purpose. Another thing is that because they're written in letter form, mm -hmm. she would be talking about something and when you get to the next letter, you would never know if that thing is still in the future or if it's in the past. So I don't know if you noticed this in the book. I don't always like read chapter titles. So I always forget about this part, but it does tell you when she's writing these letters. So you can kind of create a timeline in your head. You just have to pay a lot of attention to it, which is kind of annoying, I will 
yeah. it. It's not even that I don't know the timeline. It's that when she's about to talk about something, I can't tell if the thing already happened. Oh, so the switching between past and present tense was kind of... It doesn't switch between... I can't... I can Well, never no, the tense has made sense because yeah. she was writing a letter yeah. where some things were in the future and some things were in the past. Yes. Did it just not have enough, like, distinguishing... No, it was, no it was just confusing to <sighs> not know if something happened already. And I'm glad it didn't do the Princess Diaries thing where it says like, oh, this thing just happened. I just need to write it down right now. And meanwhile, Mia's like in the middle of a party or something and she brings her diary to the party and like writes in the bathroom. Okay, that's kind of <laughs> weird. I like how parts of this, sometimes um, Brady is like using the letters as an excuse to not do other things. Like the one where she should be getting ready for the first party, I think. Mm -hmm. And instead she's like, I'm gonna write you this letter and tell you about what happened today yeah because it gave me a reason for why we were talking about this thing and it like kind of helped flow between everything yeah which i liked so i didn't really find that to be a problem for me but i can get how it would be confusing yeah a lot of it read like a travel blog to be honest yeah totally which is fun mm -hmm. they did very generic things in europe they didn't do anything too exciting i mean they oh, were yeah they were on a cruise so <laughs> yeah I was always confused about the trajectory of the cruise because it seemed like they were just circling around the Mediterranean. That's what a lot of Mediterranean cruises do. They just go around the Mediterranean. Like over and over again? Wait, they do Pompeii, Italy, and Spain, right? Pompeii's in Italy. Okay. They go like out of the Mediterranean Sea and they go like up that coast. They go from like Italy to Spain. Yeah, and then they are like back in France and then they're back in Italy and then I'm just confused. Most cruises do a circle. But then they're not going anywhere in Africa. Well, I don't know if it- Well, I mean, legally, I don't know if they would need to have I passports think, and things. Because they do Florence is the last one, right? Yeah. And that's in Italy, right? Yes. So I think they go Italy to Spain, back to Italy. So I, I don't think it's like a circle. I think it's just a bloop, bloop, like a line. Yeah. They go back over. It's kind of sad that they don't go the other direction, like east. Further into the Mediterranean. Yeah, like yeah. Greece and stuff. Yeah. It's a one-week cruise- can't go that many places. It's only one week? Yeah. Yikes. Why go to Europe at all? I guess that's why they're on a cruise for it, because then you can do the traveling at night, so then you can see as many places as possible. I mean, they do only go to three different cities, but... Yeah, well, my personal week. preference is if you're going to go to Europe, you need to go for at least two weeks to justify the amount you're spending on a plane ticket. I guess. Unless you're in a situation where you can't get off enough on work. Mm -hmm. But personally, it's just kind of like a week is not long enough to spend anywhere, to be honest unless you're in the country you already live in. I think it depends on what your goal of the trip is. Well, what was their goal? Their goal was to have a once-in-a-lifetime experience type of thing for their okay, daughter extend a week. As we find out at the very beginning, she's lucky that she even gets to do this because her older sister did it and mm -hmm. had a terrible time. Yeah. But also, I think a week is fine, especially if you're doing like a cruise where it's more so about relaxing on the boat. And like, yeah. I think the mom is really making the like, and stops way more stressful than they need to be. I thought that that was portrayed really well. Yeah, but like if it's a cruise, I think it's fine. I agree with the two-week thing if you're going to like Australia because those plane tickets are super expensive. Yeah, well, I still stand by the two-week thing. I think you need two weeks in Europe. Okay. Especially with a cruise. Like I think that if you're doing a cruise in Europe, you, you better park somewhere. 
do you want to be on a boat for two weeks? No, I mean, you're on a boat for one week and then you go somewhere on your own. Oh yeah, that would make sense. Like if you want to go further away from the water, maybe like yeah, go places that aren't right on the Mediterranean. Not a coastal city. Yeah, I think this trip made sense as a plot device. They could have gone up Italy and then gone to Venice and then been near the Adriatic Sea, which is really cool. I've never been there, so I'll take your word for it. Okay. (laughs) Basically, if I was in charge of this trip, I wouldn't have done it like this. Okay. Um, oh, the only other thing I wanted to say about the plot and story, I guess, is the ending felt mm-hmm. so rushed and like such a cop out. I'm also kind of like, you meet someone on the plane, but like, what are you supposed to get out of that, honestly? That's why it felt like a cop out because the whole point was like her friend wanted her to like meet a boy and date a boy. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe just having a conversation was kind of the goal, but in that case, she's already succeeded yeah. with the friends that she made. What was the goal specifically? Was it just meet? a code red euro hottie it is just meat yeah she she definitely did she just that. needed to meet some attractive like a random people like, yeah and she said that lawn was code orange and then she said that gorkin was not attractive <laughs> and then aj was like fine. not european <laughs> well yeah but yeah i just thought it was a bit of a cop out that she like met a guy at the last minute i remember feeling that way the first time i read it as well mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm like i mean i get it it is literally the goal of this book for her to finish this list of tasks so i yeah. do understand why it happens this way but i do really like the part where the last night the teen party is like go take a picture of people you think are hot mm-hmm. and brady like kind of makes it a joke and we don't find out until after the pictures are all printed that she took a picture of what's his name christo who who's the ancient Italian waiter that has been like serving her family's table the entire time. I thought that was hilarious. And I almost wish that it had just ended there and that the airplane <laughs> ride back hadn't been eventful, but I do understand why it had to be. I think it would have been a great moment if Delia was like, hey, so did you complete the list? And then Brady's like, yeah, I did. And then pulls out the picture of Christo and is like, look at this hottie. <laughs> I wish there had been like an epilogue where we get to like actually see Delia and Brady from third person. I, I mean, like, it doesn't really make it's that more just breaks like, the style of the book. Yes, totally. But it's more just like I, I want that interaction. I would be happy if there was another chapter that was focusing on settling back in, and exactly. then could be like a "It's so good to be reunited with you," blah 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 blah, and then she can be reflecting on Delia's reactions, mm-hmm. and then that's the end. That would have been really nice, though it wouldn't make much sense from the style perspective because like. Why is she writing a letter to Delia if Delia was there? Because it was a habit. Yeah, true. Now it's hard to break the habit and want to do it always. That would be so cute if it was a permanent habit. Yeah, that would be really cute. But that's getting all the way into fan fiction takes, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should pull back and do characters? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we don't really meet Delia, as we've said a couple of times. You kind of get a sense of her, though. We do get a sense of her. Sounds like someone I would not be friends with. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Delia and Brady's friendship is very classic, introverted extrovert friendship where Delia is the extrovert who has adopted Brady and pressures Brady sort of sort of but more like um encouraging not yeah. so much peer pressure but like you are my friend and I want you to put yourself out there yeah type of way which I think is really sweet I mean it gets kind of repetitive and annoying in the book but I really genuinely love the parts where Brady talks directly to Delia in her letters where she's like I know you would be thinking this right now <laughs> and I'm just like that's so good the friendship yeah it's kind of sad 
because it's almost like I wish that Delia was on the trip with them and she was writing to someone else, but I think it works well because you do get yeah. a sense of her. And she also says that Delia is a lot like Tatiana. Yes. So, so we get a sense of her through that kind of. So Tatiana yeah. and Nori are these two Lebanese girls mm -hmm. that Brady meets after the first night. So it's on the second day of the trip. Yeah. And they become friends and I love them. I um, enjoy a good international friendship. Yeah. Also, we find out at one point that Tatiana speaks four languages. Like, what the fuck? Oh, that's pretty common. I know. <laughs> I think it's I up know. over there. Yeah. It to just, the east. It, this book really, truly highlights the faults of the American language education. Yeah. Because all of the international people that she meets can speak like three, four languages. Yeah. And then she's over there barely speaking English. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing Which is like, same girl. <laughs> it makes sense from a like, a, there are more like different national languages in Europe or whatever. But also mm -hmm. the US touches Mexico, speaks Spanish. Also, there is no officially language in the United States. A lot of people are primarily Spanish speakers. So it would make sense if we made Spanish more of a thing in schools. I did think it was odd that Brady mentions at one point that she took German in school, which I found very odd. It's like, why are you not taking Spanish? That's the typical thing. Actually, they used to do German more in high schools and my dad took German. Oh, well, she's not in high school yet. Well, I mean, but I okay. guess if it used to be more popular, okay, fine. Like, I get real, the author was maybe playing fast and loose with what time it was. Yeah, that's fair. Because, <laughs> well, yeah. okay, sort of. Okay, if I wanted to like actually do research into old internet time period stuff, we could definitely place this in an exact year because she talks to her sister over the internet in an internet cafe. Yeah, very early 2000s. Yes, it's definitely early 2000s because email is still really big and instant messaging is not that big. And the text speech that her sister is using is very specific and very early internet. And it's definitely not as evolved as text culture is these days. Yes. If we really wanted to, we could probably place this book, but I don't really want to. So yeah, that's what I got to say. About I mean, that. what were we even talking about? Characters? Oh, yeah. So let's talk about their friend group that yeah. they make on the boat. So we've talked about Brady. We'll talk more about her, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But Tatiana and Nori are these two girls that she meets on the second day. Mm -hmm. And she meets them after meeting AJ, who is from Texas, yes. the first night at the like teenager mixer thing. Mm -hmm. And AJ immediately has a crush on Brady and she chokes on her cherry mm -hmm. and runs away from him. So he's asking all the other girls and people at the party, do you know who that was? And that's how Tatiana and Nori find her the next day. They're mm -hmm. like, hey, you're the girl that we were looking for. Yeah. And then they like tell Brady that AJ likes her. Yes. And then she's like, well, I don't like AJ. Mm -hmm. And Tatiana's like, oh, so can Nori ask him out? Ooh, yeah. And Brady's like, fuck yeah, go for it. And helps set them <laughs> and up. And help them set them up. And it's really cute. So AJ and Nori get together at the party that night. And Lon also starts hanging out with them at that mm -hmm. point. And Lon is a Vietnamese kid who is from France, I believe. Lives in France. Yeah, lives in France. But his family is Vietnamese. And his family is at the same table as Brady and her mom are for meals. Mm -hmm. they, uh, she calls it like her boat family. So Lon starts hanging out with them. And eventually on the last night, Lon and Tatiana get together, which is very 
very cute. And then the final member of their little odd squad is Gorkin. Gorkin is this guy that Tatiana, Lon, and Brady run into on the second night, I believe. I hate Gorkin. It might be the third <laughs> night, actually. I really hate Gorkin. They run into him during a scavenger hunt after they've abandoned Nori and AJ to go like, they go and like make out a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, Gorkin is instantly <laughs> in love with Brady and more oh, specifically gosh. Brady's boobs. <laughs> and makes her very uncomfortable the entire time. Yeah, and Tatiana's always like, space Gorkin. Like, Gorkin's a freaking dog. Yeah. Gorkin, we don't think Gorkin's real name is Gorkin. <laughs> Gorkin is really into Star Trek <laughs> mm -hmm. and claims that he is a Klingon. I really hate this kid. And he knows how to speak Klingon, which is actually a real language. I When I first read this book, I was like, was this made up for this book? And then I asked my mom, who's also a big Star Trek nerd, and she was like, no, there are people who actually speak it. I mean, good for them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so Gorkin is the worst. Oh my gosh, I cannot express how many feelings this kid provokes in me because the thing is I know people exactly like that. Right. It's like big toxic emotionally immature nerd vibes. Gorkin definitely gives off the vibes of will be an incel in like five years. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean that as an insult. Mm -hmm. It's so bad. We're like at the last night at the <laughs> event where they take pictures of Hotties. Gorgon takes a picture of Brady. Yeah. But once it's printed out later, we find out that he just took a picture of her chest. I did not catch that part. That's mega creepy. That's yeah, disgusting. And, and Brady thinks to herself, does Gorkin even know that I have a head? Which is so fucking bad. Oh, that's awful. So mega creep. And also does not help Brady's insecurity about her body. Mm-hmm. Because Brady calls herself big yeah. number of times throughout the book and we like eventually piece together that she's going through puberty. Her yeah. boobs have gotten bigger. Uh -huh. That's all it is. She had to get a medium on her bottom for her bikini and a large for the top because her boobs are so big. I've been there. I've had to get different sizes for my top and bottoms for a bikini. It happens. Mm -hmm. It's okay. But apparently her boobs are so big that every guy that she meets falls in love with her instantly. Oh gosh. <laughs> or at least thinks that she's attractive because she has big boobs which is like peak immature teenage boy. It's such preteen vibe. Yes. Which I guess makes sense since they are just teenagers. But it is really uncomfortable to read. Yeah. But it's also like super relatable uh -huh. as someone who like, you know, developed and had to deal with not wanting that. True. True. I feel. Yeah. It's very relatable, but it's also super uncomfortable. <laughs> it's super uncomfortable because freaking Gorkin, like Tatiana just lets Gorkin hang out with them. I mean, she does try to physically keep them apart. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to yeah. physically keep people apart like if you have yeah. to have someone who is physically doing that that person is not good to hang out with i don't want to blame tatiana for this because i do think that gorkin just kind of like invites himself to hang out with them yeah and it's not like on purpose or anything it's not anyone's fault it's gorkin's fault obviously yeah and i really do think that at first tatiana was just like humoring him because she thought he was funny the uh -huh. whole klingon thing at first yeah which like valid well tatiana doesn't see brady's perspective. So, yeah, like, Tatiana's you think that also, Brady's going to have yeah. a conversation about Orkin being creepy because of her breasts? No, and also, like, Brady's a teenager. I don't think she has the words to put to the situation. She just knows that it feels bad. That's the vibes that I was getting. I mean, clearly using the outdated language she uses. Yeah. Also, like, nobody that she knows seems to be using the words like, oh yeah, you have big boobs. Mm -hmm. No one just outright says, oh yeah, you've grown, you're going through puberty, you have big boobs. Her mom says, oh yeah, you've gotten well-developed. 
developed oh. recently, <laughs> which I hate because it always makes me think of developing photography. The thing is, like, I would prefer people not mention anything around that unless, like, you bring it up yourself. I do think it's different in family. I don't even think it's different in family. I would have not fair. been cool with it. That's totally fair. My younger sisters were so mean to me when I was going through puberty. Ooh. Way to make it worse. Yeah. And then they learn their lesson <laughs> a few years later. I don't think my sister made puberty any worse than it was, but I hated it. My mom tried so hard to be understanding about mm-hmm. it. Because my mom is also pretty. She's got a sizable chest for her body size, similar to me. So she was like trying to be like very supportive and like, oh, you'll learn to like it. And I was like, mother, <laughs> mother please. <laughs> I just want them gone. Yeah, She's come fair. to understand my point of view. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, when you're like 13, 14, you don't really have the language for why that makes you uncomfortable quite yet. Especially if you don't have experience with that sort of like sexual harassment that is very normalized in our culture. Yeah. But it is straight up sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. So like when you're a kid, you don't have the words for it. And that's, I think, another part that makes Brady feel so relatable. Yeah. But yeah, Gorkin's the worst. <laughs> I want to lock this kid in a workshop (laughs) until he learns. I think the thing with Gorkin that I found most interesting is obviously he's attracted to Brady because of her large chest. But I do also appreciate his love of Klingons. He specifically asked Brady if she was strong at one point. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, I'm good at throwing things. And he was like, Klingon women throw things in the mating ritual. (laughs) And then someone was like, well, what do Klingon men do? And he's like, they duck a lot. It was so funny. This is just making me hate Star Trek. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're not invalid, but also I like it. I mean, I like... He's a little too into it, but I think if he finds his people and stops being a major creep, he could be fine. Yeah, I mean, I've met Star Trek creeps before. The vast majority of them mellowed out because they found other Star Trek, <laughs> Star Trek creeps to hang out with and then realized how cringe they were when I saw it on someone else and then chilled out. Yeah. Honestly, I think Star Trek nerds honestly end up better more often than Star Wars nerds. Yes, though I think that there are fewer Star Wars nerds now than there are Star Trek nerds. Yeah, I think you're right. At least in in our age group, I think that for the stereotypical Star Wars nerds, those are going to be people who are like late millennials on. Yeah, or early millennials, honestly. Yeah, but like no one is getting into Star Wars these days. Or if they are, it's very, I don't know. Yeah, well also like the main thing with Star Wars where it's just like becomes the toxic fan base is because it's like toxic nostalgia. And also Star Wars has gotten more mainstream than Star Trek. Yeah. So it's like less of a nerdy thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas people who are really into Star Trek, there is so much content for them to consume. Yes. That it is super easy to get super nerdy about it. Yes. I say as someone who has read and owns multiple Star Trek books. Yeah. I do think that the stereotype of a Star Trek nerd can sometimes be misleading. I think that Gorkin is pretty typical of the Star Trek nerd stereotype. There are lots lots of Star Trek nerds who are not the creeps. Yeah, who are not like the to be completely honest, how they are portrayed emasculated creeps. Yeah. I do think Gorkin is kind of representative of the most negative type of geek out there. Like some Big Bang Theory crap. Yes, exactly. Whereas the majority of people that I know who are super into Star Trek turn out to be queer in some way. Yeah, I mean the people who I know who are into Star Trek, like they're creepy but they're not veering into sexual harassment territory. They're Mm. 
Mm-hmm. They're creepy because they're like lonely or something. <laughs> <laughs> to get meta with Gorgon's character real fast, I wonder if Jane Harrington herself is a Star Trek fan or if she doesn't like Star Trek and specifically used it as a negative because Gorgon's kind of portrayed negatively. I also feel like Jane Harrington doesn't fully realize in her writing just how bad Gorgon's behavior is at the same time. I don't know. I'm hesitant to say that Jane Harrington herself doesn't see the problem with it because I kind of want to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she's writing from the perspective of this young teenager who wouldn't understand it. Yeah. Because from that point of view, like everything that happens is very, very in character. Yeah. So I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt with that. Yeah. And just say that she's like, she's writing from the character's point of view. But I do get what you mean. I feel like if Jane Harrington fully understood the weight of what she was writing with Gorgon, even if Brady doesn't quite understand, she could have had Brady's mom reacting. Brady's mom never interacts with her friends that she meets. Yes, but still, like... There could have been something. I get it. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't like that it's unaddressed. That's totally fair. But also that's just me, because here's the thing. This is kind of like how I feel about The Office. I wish the problematic elements in The Office were addressed, but also it portrays the reality of how things in the actual office go. Yeah. So like, even though I personally, from like a, this is fiction and I'm worried about representation and how it's going to affect people who watch it. Yeah, I would like things to be addressed, but also there is something to say about the realism, Mm -hmm. especially because it's like a mockumentary and then this is told through letters. Yeah. It's possible that it's better that it's not, even though it is uncomfortable that it is not. Totally. I think there is a benefit to portraying the world as it is in fiction sometimes. It definitely shouldn't be the only type of fiction that exists, but I can definitely appreciate it when it shows up. And the thing is, like, you can like what you like, you can dislike what you dislike. I'm never going to like The Office, but I understand why people like it. Yeah, totally. Um, any other characters we need to talk about? I mean, honestly, not really, besides I don't know, I like Brady's mom. She was cool. She's very Very, a realistic mom. Very realistic mom, especially with the obsessively planning the excursions and trying to fit things in and then not really considering what Brady wants to do. The scene where Brady confronts her mom about yeah. that is so cathartic. Mm-hmm. I would recommend the book for that scene alone, honestly. The year that I lived in Hungary, I was 11. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't fully into going to a place and then walking around for the entire day. That was tiring for me. Mm-hmm. And oh, also... God, still tiring for me. Sometimes it was too hot. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to like stay and play in the hotel room. Yeah. So I would get really grouchy. The thing that worked, though, was the promise of ice cream. Ice cream cream was a great motivator for walking around in the city. I don't know if I've told you this story, but one time when my family, we have a flat in London, so when we went to stay at flat, we did like a mini trip to Paris because there's a train that goes from London to Paris underwater. It's very cool. Would recommend. Yeah. But we spent a day walking around underneath the Eiffel Tower Mm -hmm. and the only thing that kept me going was the ice cream. Best ice cream I've ever had in my life. Soft serve vanilla ice cream from underneath the Eiffel Tower is the best ice cream in the world. I had four ice cream cones that day. That sounds incredibly boring, Jacqueline. Look, I had four of them. It must have been good. (laughs) Okay, I believe that it was good. You would have gotten chocolate. Yes, I would have gotten chocolate, but also I like ice cream that has stuff in it. Like, I don't like the plain flavors. I mean, as a way to keep cool, it works. Well, yeah, and if you're (laughs) tired and hot. And and, a small child. Yeah, then it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I talk about that quite often. Yeah. Oh, Delia and Brady as two depictions of teenage girls, I liked a lot because Delia is very clearly boy obsessed Mm -hmm. and Brady is not there yet. And I liked the way that it was portrayed where it's not so much that she's not boy obsessed because she's 
still yeah. interested. Yes. She just doesn't have the self-confidence to be as out there as Delia clearly is. Yeah. And at the same time, she knows what she doesn't want. Yes. Which I appreciate it. Yeah. There's one part where she's talking about how she's not shallow because she needs to know what's going on in a boy's head before she can determine if she likes him. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like a little bit like, oh, this is kind of giving me not like other girls vibes. There were like slight those vibes, but in the way where like, ah, yes, this is how I felt at 13. I wasn't getting not like other girls vibes because she was hanging out with other girls. That helps a lot. Yeah. And also <laughs> she's literally at the age where she's going to be falling for the not like other girls thing. So yeah. like I didn't really get it. So there were much. just hints of it, but yeah. I do think I'm glad that it didn't go fully not like other girls. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciated that a lot. Our next book selection is basically the only thing you need to know is that she's not like other girls. We'll get to that at the end yes. of the episode. <laughs> no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, that was the thing. I, oh, the only other thing that I want to say about characters, Gilligan, who is the youth activity director on the cruise boat. Yeah. I related a lot. Nice. <laughs> wow. I don't know if you've heard what it takes to work at a cruise, but oh my gosh. Oh, I would never want to do it on a cruise, but like, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> but he also gets mythology stuff wrong, so like, not quite me, but also like, would be me. <laughs> yeah. Like, over-enthusiastic planning events type of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a reason my sister thinks I'm a little cringy. It's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, but to work on a cruise, Jacqueline, you need a oh, million- Oh, I can never do it. You need a million shots. Oh, I would be fine with the a million shots as long <laughs> as someone holds me down for it. Mm-hmm. The thing that I couldn't do is I'd have to get rid of all my stuff. Where would I put all my stuff, Sophie? You leave it at home. I can't leave it all with my parents. They'll throw it out. Okay, then put it in storage. But I like having my stuff. <laughs> well, too bad. <laughs> yeah, this is why I couldn't live on a boat because I'm a maximalist. I love boats and I would totally live on a boat, but it wouldn't be a cruise ship. And I would only live on a boat if there were other people who I already knew on that boat. And it would only be temporary. I've done that before when I was yeah. like way younger. We did like a weekend on a boat mm-hmm. with my with the Australian side of my family. I think I could survive three months and that's it. Yeah. Also, the fact that this is a cruise ship, I couldn't do a cruise. Yeah. I'm sure I would have fun because it's a boat and mm-hmm. I like boats and I like traveling, but honestly, I would get so claustrophobic and cramped and oh no, there's nowhere to go. And oh no, <laughs> I'm not in control of what's happening around me. I feel like if you went on the type of trip that Brady and her mom went on, you would just be so frustrated that you would have that you had to be back on the boat by a specific time. You would hate it. Yeah, I would hate it. I'm much more into a destination mm-hmm. boat ride where it's just the boat. That's it. You're just on the boat, nowhere to stop until you get to your destination. And that's the real fun. Mm -hmm. And then the boat is just like a few days. That's the type of cruise that I have been on before. Oh, was that the one where you said you just went around Florida? Yeah. And on the first day of the trip, we found out that my um, my mom's mom's husband had died. Mm -hmm. So my mom's stepdad while I was with my (laughs) other grandparents. Yep. Sounds like a memorable trip. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Any other character things? No. The only other note I have that we haven't talked about is Brady is Catholic Jewish. That is relatable to me, sort of. Is your mom Catholic? I don't even really know if I would say Catholic, but her mom is Catholic mm-hmm. and then her dad is Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, right. Um, okay. Into critical analysis? Yep. Okay. So let's talk about all the problematic things that Brady said. Yeah. Going in order, the first mm-hmm. one that I noticed was at the end of one part, right after she meets 
Tatiana and Nori. Mm-hmm. So they notice the writing on her hand, which yes. Delia has yeah. written on her hand in permanent marker, if you forgot. But they notice it, and they ask what happened, like where it's from. And Brady says, quote, Oh, that was written by a person I was visiting in a mental institution. End quote. Mm, do we call them mental institutions? No, we call them psych wards. Or, you know, hospitals. Hospitals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the first problematic thing she said is that I noticed. Yes, and here's why it's problematic. Mm-hmm. She was using it in a joke. Yeah, and basically, like, isn't it weird that someone wrote on my hand in yeah. permanent marker? They must be mentally ill. Yes. That's the connotation of what she's saying. It's not the only time that she uses that kind of language. Like, she says things are psycho a few times, and then it gives off the vibe that when someone does something that she considers weird, she considers it, like, crazy. In a super negative sense. In, yeah, like, in a, a, like, a mental Ill illness. Way. Yeah. The tour guide that they have in Pompeii. Yeah. Yeah. She describes him as psycho at one point, I believe. I feel like usually the people who come off as most stereotypically like intense and things are the people who have not in treatment for mental illness or like have been diagnosed with mental illness. Mm. Basically people who are neurotypical or think they are neurotypical. Yeah, and it can be super alienating if people ascribe words like psycho to a person because then since that word has such a negative connotation, it makes someone go on the defensive and they're going to try and be like, no, of course I'm not. I'm normal as if yeah. being psychotic is not mm-hmm. where it's just it's just a way that a person is. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. And also like psycho is connected to very specific diagnosis. Yeah. Being. So yeah. it's just kind of a thing that's very early 2000s mm-hmm. because yeah I'm not one of the people who's like, crazy is a derogatory term. Yeah, I think that's a... I think that's going too far. But I do understand why psycho is one that we don't want to use, especially because of the connection with horror movies and how often it's used as like, oh, the killer's a psychopath. Yeah, if the killer really is a psychopath, then yeah, that's all but well and good. But people aren't immediately killers because they're yes. psychopaths. Yes, That's what we're trying to say. Yeah, society usually plays a big role in if someone yeah. becomes a murderer. Yeah, yes. I think there was like a whole thing where toxic masculinity is a greater contributor to serial killers or mm-hmm. murderers in general than Neurodivergence. Mental. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway. So next horrible thing that she says, um, I actually wrote down page numbers for some of these, <laughs> because the thing is with this book is it's not that the entire thing is like steeped in racism or anything yeah but there are like very specific instances she's ignorant she says very problematic things yes and the thing is at the same i mean like feel the same way about this Mm -hmm. that i do about calling out gorkin's stuff the difference is i genuinely think the author doesn't realize that it's problematic in this situation but in terms of realism i totally buy that this is the way a teenager in the early 2000s would yeah and there's an argument to leave it in Mm -hmm. if the author took care and attention and knew that it was problematic. I do not think the author knew. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So this next one, quote, Then we went into a shop where someone who looked like a Native American, parentheses, perhaps they are called Native Spaniards in Spain, (laughs) end parentheses, was selling silver and turquoise jewelry, hippie clothing, incense, and pot pipes. So my mother pulled me out of the shop quickly due to an infiltration of inappropriateness into her carefully planned itinerary blah 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 this is a run-on sentence end quote when she says this person looks like a native american i'm like what does that mean 
scene. Yes, that's what I thought too. And especially when the next part was selling specifically silver and turquoise jewelry. Yeah, and it's also kind of like, looks like a Native American. Like if that's the thought that's going through your head, describe the freaking person. Yeah, like do you just mean that they're darker skinned? Because yeah, <laughs> like if you what? say that someone looks like an ethnicity, then you just automatically like me, ignorant white person. I'm going to think of a stereotypical look. Because that's what that type of language is prompting. Yeah, it's prompting, it's prompting you to think of the most stereotypical Native American person that you can think of. That's what this description is supposed to do. And that's why it's a problem. Yeah, it's like prompting you to pull from your own racial bias to fill in that description that's not there. Because exactly. is it like, is this person just what, like brown skinned and dark haired? Like mm -hmm. what is the deal here? Yep. Also, what is the deal with the Native Spaniard? <laughs> Describing someone as Native American in and of itself, bad, don't do that. The Native Spaniard part is the part that makes it sound like, oh, this is just like an ignorant teenager. <laughs> yeah, who's ascribing the United States to Spain, which is very different. And also Spain has a lot of things going on in terms of, to use a political science term, in terms of cleavages. Excuse me? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it does, but what? <laughs> I had to go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, shall we get into the slur for Romani people part? Yes. So this one I don't want to say because it is a literal slur for the Romani people. That a lot of people don't realize is a slur. Yeah. I have only seen widespread knowledge of it being a slur in like the past seven, eight years, I want to say, since I have been more active online. Yeah. And before that, I didn't know that it was a slur. So I am willing to like excuse the language itself and the use of the word. Mm -hmm. But the way that these people are described so stereotypically is the problem because mm -hmm. they're talking to a guy on a train. So Brady's mom leans over to her and whispers to her, quote, I think he's warning us about the slur who attack tourists in Florence, end quote. Mm -hmm. Then after that, Brady has a whole paragraph thinking about <laughs> what would the Italian Romani people look like? Quote, joyful people in colorful beaded clothes, question mark? Oh my gosh. Or more like those Irish boat people in the movie Chocolat, question mark. Then, mm -hmm. parentheses, because I'm trying very hard to keep my promise to you, Delia, and parentheses, I wondered if any of the slur would be hotties like, say, Johnny Depp, also problematic, that's just me, um, mm -hmm. who even I agree is a blistering, radiant, code red. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny Depp. I mean, this book was written in 2006. <laughs> okay, I can't picture Johnny Depp without picturing him as the Mad Hatter. Oh, no, no, <laughs> if we want to picture him as hot, we have to go with Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that's, but like, pirates are also, well, yeah, well, you know how I feel about pirates. I don't know if I do, but I don't think we should get into it. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, Elizabeth Swan in, like, the third movie. Super fucking hot. But back on topic. So yeah, it's not so much the use of the word, I think, that is the problem. It's the stereotyping that really is the problem with this section. Because yeah. it is an older book. It's an older book, but this stereotype is widespread. And yeah. I lived in a place where there was tons of, like, anti-Romani sentiments. Sentiments. Like, just so much. Mm -hmm. From people who I I knew and trusted mm -hmm. so much. It's pretty widespread in Eastern Europe. Yeah, it's quite bad. Yeah. And I went to school with people who are Roma. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, mm -hmm. what 
like they don't deserve the yeah. or the stereotyping. I'm not surprised at this book for doing this. And I'm not surprised at a lot of people for doing this because in the US, we don't really talk about Roma that mm-hmm. much. It's not a prevalent community in the US. Mm-hmm. It's also a situation where in the US, when we see Roma is going to be in books and film where it is where they're this, portrayed this as this deal. stereotype like thieving, conniving, sly. Yeah. Very or sexy women for some reason. Yeah, or sometimes like there are obviously exceptions. Yeah. But this is just a situation where it's not okay, but I'm not surprised. Totally. We even go to a coffee shop that's that, literally called the Slur Beans. Yeah, we call it Slur Beans. Yes. <laughs> we don't want to say the word. Yeah, I really want to message them on Facebook and be like, hey, I know you're going through a whole traveler theme, but this might not be the best thing. Like, please. Yeah. I mean, you totally good. Yeah. Though I'm not sure if it's an independent coffee shop or if it's like a chain thing, like a mini chain. I'm pretty sure it's independent. Then you could definitely just talk to them. But I mean, it's really expensive to do a name change too. And also bad for business. Yeah. I think that's one of the things probably why they haven't changed their name is because I'm pretty sure they've been around for a hot minute. Yeah. They totally should change their name. But I also understand from like a small business struggling to survive perspective Mm -hmm. that that's if they can't do it, then they just need to take accountability and make it visible in their store that that word is a slur yeah um so the final word thing that i want to talk about yeah is towards the end of the book this is after where we have the confrontation between brady and her mom where she's where her mom like apologizes for being so fussy and about Mm -hmm. the whole trip and everything and here is the quote i am going to say this word because i am a queer person okay in this context it's not okay yes so quote she hugged me and told me i was so sweet and she got all teary again and i oh wait no i'm sorry this is when they're on the plane back yeah and she and um brady has just given her mom the purse that her mom had wanted but didn't buy for herself yeah yeah okay so quote she hugged me and told me i was so sweet and she got all teary again and i thanked her for being such a great mom and we hugged again and etc etc and it was a happy parentheses though really queer and parentheses ending to the trip and i felt good because i had pleased her end quote so why is this a problem because they're using queer as weird here yes and this is in 2006 when queer was more of a slur than it is today yeah queer is one of those words where it's a reclaimed slur most words used by the lgbtq plus community are reclaimed slurs anyone who wants to fight me on if queer is still a slur go ahead i'm still gonna identify as queer but it should not be used as a replacement for the word weird even in 2006 yeah i'm it's one of those things where i'm willing to forgive it if it's older than when queer was a slur for it if it was from like the 1900s like early 1900s not later i'd be willing to forgive it but this is from 2006 which is around the time when those at do you remember those ads from when we were kids where it was they were trying to get people to stop saying that's so gay um i remember it verbally happening from other students in my school but not like ads okay well there was a big campaign going on for a while where around this time and a little bit after yeah. the time that this book was published where the whole thing was like don't use gay when you mean bad i gotta say that campaign was pretty effective because mm-hmm. in middle school people were saying that's so gay mostly other gay people but <laughs> yeah Um, (laughs) You're also from Seattle, so different. Yeah, but people were saying that. And then when I got to high school, it was like people suddenly stopped. Yeah. The reason why I specifically said the stuff about if people want to argue with me about if queer is still a slur is because I see this argument online sometimes. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, it is young kids who have been taken in by turf ideology 
who think that they are doing a good thing by telling people that queer is a slur. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, it is a reclaimed word and TERFs are just white supremacists in a different style trying to divide the queer community. Mm -hmm. And TERFs, for people who do not know, is trans-exclusionary, radical, feminist. Feminist. Yeah. Which is what J.K. Rowling is. Yes. Except for, like, are people really feminists if they're excluding trans people? No, they're not. That's the entire point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's more often than not people with that ideology who spout the whole queer is still a slur, don't say it. And we did a documentary called Queer Matters in London. Um, Look it up on YouTube. It's good. And I remember we were, like, we talked to all age groups in that documentary. Um, Racially, we did not get that diverse. Diverse. But we were talking to all age groups, and I gotta say, we usually asked about, like, using the word queer. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure... Most of them were okay with it. Yeah, I think all of them were okay with it, I remember. It's, like, even the, in the South London gaze, which yeah. was, like, old people, where I expected I expected people to not be cool with it. There was that one guy in the South London gaze who yeah. was like, I don't like the term LGBTQ+, because it makes us sound like a disease. Yeah. And he specific... We interviewed him. He was really... Yeah. Thank you to everyone who we interviewed. Um... <laughs> But I remember when I was coming into London, when I flew in, because I flew in a little bit before you because my family went there for Christmas as well. Yeah. When we were going through customs, it was a whole thing because I was staying longer than the rest of my family was. Yeah. And so the woman, like the, the customs agent asked me why. And I was like, oh, I'm making a documentary on queer issues in London. And she got mad at me for using the word queer and was like, we don't use that here. And I was really, really tired. It was really late. I had just gotten off a long flight and it stood in customs and I was about to cry mm-hmm. because this woman was making me feel terrible. Yeah. And she had no right to do that. Yeah. Also, she was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's possible that she was personally offended in some way for, like... Yeah, but she didn't phrase it that way. Yeah, but also was making a generalizing thing because it wasn't true in the vast majority of people that we interviewed. And people that we interviewed were, like, the leaders of prominent groups in the London area. uh, Yeah, but also we did only go to London, and so it's possible things are different out in the (laughs) non-Londons. Totally, but I just say that to, um, I just wanted to share that. Anyways, queer is not a slur, come fight me. If you would like to fight me, please don't do it on Twitter, because Sophie is in charge for Twitter. (laughs) I will fight on Jacqueline's behalf. Thank you. If there's an LGBTQ plus person who considers it a slur, then I'm, like, willing to be cool with that, because they're LGBTQ plus. So, like, that's... Like, if someone personally feels it is a slur, and, like, it has been used against them, and they don't want to hear it, totally fine! Yeah. But also, like, it is the best word for the queer community, because it doesn't have any divisions mm-hmm. that is why it is a good word to use because yeah. it includes everyone it's easy to use gay as a general as an umbrella term that like, doesn't include any gender things yeah no it doesn't and it's also you know the connotation to straight people is always going to be men yeah so yeah okay <laughs> um that's all i wanted to say about that the only other thing in critical analysis we were talking about doing like world building and setting in this section as well because you know it's realistic fiction so there's mm-hmm. a lot to talk about i just wanted to mention that they go to chicago before they fly out to europe and i'm pretty sure the airport that they are in is o'hare which i hate and i love it's a great airport midway is better no it's not <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> but they accurately describe how it feels like to be in o'hare where like you gotta run across the entire airport to get where you're going. And how is that a positive? It's an international hub. Of course it's gonna be big. 
But you would think that an airport would be good at organization. And it is. The you're gates just bad at reading signs. <laughs> and not have a freaking gift shop in the middle of the freaking hallway. There's gift shops in every hallway in every single airport. Not like this. We've had this argument more times than I can count to your listeners. My airport preferences are simple. Yeah, well. Practical. I will always hate O'Hare because of the gate agent who called me sweetie. <laughs> Fair. But I stand by it. I have valid reasons to hate O'Hare. So. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Any other setting things that we need to talk about? Um, it makes me sad, This how they plan their trip. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I don't know if the mom has a, like, full-time job that doesn't have a lot of vacation time and maybe they want to use that vacation time for the entire family. I understand why they would only go for one week but it hurts <laughs> just thinking of being somewhere that cool for only one week and then choosing it to do it in a cruise the most economical way to do it is it though cruises if are expensive wanna, they're actually not that expensive relatively and if you want to see a bunch of different cities it's the best way to do it my personal preference when it comes to vacations mm -hmm. is to be somewhere at least two days fully living in there totally also, I'm forever haunted by the Costa Concordia sinking, mm -hmm. that cruise ship sank. There was a very good documentary. There are actually two very good documentaries on the Costa Concordia. So if you're interested in cruise ship sinking, watch that. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> it does not make me want to do a cruise. Totally valid. Um, fan fiction takes. Hmm. Well, I think that she goes with this guy that she meets at the very end to the museum that she promises to take him to and has a great time. And then we find out that like three months after the trip, there's going to be a little reunion of all of them. Well, that is group, super is so expensive cute. and ambitious. Well, Tatiana and Nori seem to come from a very from very rich families mm -hmm. who are willing to travel a lot. So it seems like they got money to burn. As long as Gorkin isn't invited. I don't think Gorkin is invited, but they're gonna be there. And then AJ has a school trip up to DC and she lives in DC. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't look like Lon is gonna come with them. Yeah. But you know, it'll be Nori, Tatiana and AJ reuniting with Brady in DC. Okay, that sounds way more realistic. And I think they'll have so much fun and Delia and Tatiana will meet each other and it will be delightful for them. Brady will have an aneurysm. My fan fiction take is that the entire family goes on vacation. And I know that that is like rewriting the entire book. And it is nice to like have focus on the relationship, which is her and her mom. But I saw a lot of potential to do more with the siblings. Yeah. Like from the beginning sisters, of the book. Yeah. And yeah, I think it would be interesting to explore this book from a everyone goes on the vacation strategy. In case we didn't mention earlier, the reason that her entire family isn't there is because this is like her, you're a teenager now, growing up, present. It's like their bat mitzvah replacement. Yeah, a, a not mitzvah is what they call it. <laughs> Very funny. Which is a cool idea. Personally, if I had one of those, I would want my sisters to come. Mm-hmm. I yeah, would, I wouldn't yeah. want to go on that sort of trip with just one of my parents. Yeah, agreed. Like, I love my parents, but I like having my entire family with me when we go places because then they can entertain each other. Yeah, well, my thing is that if there's family involved, I want it to be the whole family. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with part of it, but in general, I like it to be the whole family. Yeah. Any other fan fiction takes? My 
fan fiction take is that Brady returns to Europe on a trip, maybe like on a post-graduation trip with Delia from high school, mm -hmm. and then reflects on the way that she saw it earlier in her life the last time she went. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, wow, tourist culture. <laughs> and was just like more mindful. What was the book that... It's called like Beyond Guilt Trips or something. Hmm, cool. Yeah, it's about traveling mindfully. That sounds like a cool extension of this book. Oh yeah, Beyond Guilt Trips. Mindful travel in an unequal world. Mm. Every year, hundreds of thousands of young people pack their bags to study or volunteer abroad. Well-intentioned and curious Westerners brought up to believe that international travel broadens our horizons, travel to low-income countries to learn about the people and cultures different from their own. And then that's the end of the summary. Nice. Sounds like a good book to read. Yeah. I don't know if I really have any fanfiction takes, except like, I would love to see where these characters end up next. I don't think the characters who got together end up together well, forever. Yeah. <laughs> they probably aren't even together the next week after the thing is over. I think some of them have some hope. I think they have hope that's going to last them like, what, maybe a month. I think Nori and AJ think that they're going to be together forever, but aren't going to last. I think Tatiana and Lon have a higher likelihood of actually working out because they don't seem to actually be dating. AJ and Nori have been like dating this entire trip, basically. Yes. But Tatiana and Lon just know that they like each other. Yes. And like would like to visit each other again and hang out more. It seems like a more low pressure thing. So I think that's why they're more likely to turn out to like, stay together. Yeah. Or po potentially get together later on in life. Mm -hmm. I think that Gorkin will be forever alone. <laughs> Unless he does some serious ev evolving. Yeah. In which case he'll probably be fine. If he doesn't, as you said, he's going to be an incel. Yeah. I think Brady will be just fine. Yeah. She'll figure it out. She'll have a time. I hope her and Delia stay friends forever. And they seem like they'll be friends. I know, but like, high school's a hard time. Things happen. Mm-hmm. So. Are they even in high school or are they in They're about school? to enter high school. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll stay friends. Yeah. And if they don't, I think it will be a gradual situation. That's almost sadder. You'd rather have them like a big blow up? No, I'd rather they stay friends forever. Yeah, well, I'm saying that if they don't end up friends. Like the thing is, it does kind of preview that they have very different interests. So it is possible that they might have different friend groups in high school and maybe yeah. they are only like outside friends that yeah. hang together one-on-one -on -one outside of their friend groups. And so it is possible that that becomes a situation and maybe mm -hmm. they grow apart from that. Except I think that they're fine. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I am more hopeful than not. Yeah, I mean, you have to have a lot of patience to write a letter to someone every time you're in Europe. <laughs> I mean, every day you're on a trip. Yeah, well, multiple times a day. Did you notice oh, that? Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in South Africa, mm -hmm. I had to journal every day. And let me tell you, I'm grateful that I did that because now I have records of how I was feeling when I was in South Africa. But it was really hard. Like, I just wanted to be out and about experiencing things and not, like, writing and reflecting on it. But that's, that's how I always feel about journaling, where I'm like, I want to like put this down and remember it but i don't want to take the time to do it <laughs> yeah well i never journal good things that happen to me i only journal the bad mm -hmm. i only journal to write out my feelings and make sense of them and try to feel better like i'm not yeah. going to journal if i'm going to do any writing when i'm happy i'm going to do fictional writing i'm not going to write about my own happiness <laughs> that just sounds so depressing <laughs> but i get what you mean well i'd rather just 
I'd rather not waste the happiness writing about it. I mean, like, I understand. It just, it sounds really depressing when you phrase it like that. Yeah, I mean, the problem if you don't record your happiness and you only journal about when you're feeling, like, super bad is that then it makes your life seem more depressing than it actually is. And it creates a different feeling when you're looking back on periods of time. But luckily, I date my entries. So the date and how far apart they are helps fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Ratings and conclusions? Yeah. Okay, so I'll go first so that you can think of what to do besides a nostalgia rating. Yeah. So for me, my nostalgia rating is definitely a 5 out of 5. This is big nostalgia for me. Um, My current rating, probably a 3. Like, I had fun reading it, but I don't know how many people I would recommend it to. Mm -hmm. I would say if you want a fun travel read, definitely pick it up. I don't know if I would recommend it to teenagers, like young teenagers who I think are actually the intended audience of this. Really? Because I think this is very solidly people who are in like fourth grade reading this. I think it's like pre-tween more so, where yeah. it's like very aspirational of what teenagerdom is going to be. Yes. But I don't want to recommend it to those people because I don't think kids that young would have the critical awareness needed to like un- fully understand and unpack some of the more problematic elements of the book, which is why I hesitate to recommend it. However, yeah with the whole puberty thing. The He's whole- really good about that, yeah. Yes, the whole arc about Brady getting more comfortable wearing the bikini, mm-hmm. I thought that that was a good arc. Yeah. And the whole thing with the topless beach, like that was very so unfortunate. Funny. So funny. Yeah. Her, her swimsuit top flies off. But um, I thought that that arc was good and it yeah. definitely, I can see it being a situation where there's a message that's like, it's okay to have big boobs, <laughs> which is a really simplistic message. But some people need it. Yeah. I think that it is very easy to want to hide when you're going through puberty. Yeah. And this book kind of shows that it's okay. That's true. Also, when the mom also gets a bikini. Oh my god. Yes. That was also very cool. It was like, oh yeah, I was self-conscious about stretch markets, marks, etc., etc. Yeah. But now, seeing how comfortable that the Europeans are in their bodies, it makes me want to be empowered, emboldened, I think is the word. Yeah, so like, I did really like yeah. that arc. And for that, I don't know a lot of books that are super, that focus on puberty or, or super in a super Um, non-gross way. Yeah, and are like empowering about how they focus on puberty. So when it comes to that, I think that it is a good book to give younger tweens. I think I just, I want a rewrite of this book. Yes. Where we take out all the problematic shit. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe not like the... Gorkin. Maybe don't take out the Gorkin problematic shit, but like the super problematic shit. Take that out and then I would recommend this hands down to teenagers or preteens without a doubt. Anyway, Sophie, Um, what's your ratings? Okay. Recommendations, I guess, but we kind of did that. I forgot the special thing I was going to do for this one. Oh no, I'm sorry. (laughs) In terms of my rating, to be completely honest, I didn't love this book. It was, again, fine. Mm -hmm. It was entertaining enough to read. If it had been longer, I might have gotten bored. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't like this book that much. I don't want to give it a one. Goodreads scale, I probably would give it a one just because of how Goodreads works, but I think that there needs to be a difference between disliked and hatred. Yeah. So I'm going to go for a two out of five. Sounds like you want to give it a 1.5. Yeah, two is it was okay, but I was just, you know, I didn't really have a great time with this book. It was fine. And then in terms of rating, I guess, um, Euro potty (laughs) rating is going to be, I'm going to say it's going to be negative a thousand just because Gorkin was involved in this book. Very funny. If you were going to be a character in this book, who would you be? I would obviously be Gillian. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, the youth activities director. We talked about him already. I related to the mom in planning the whole <laughs> excursions out. Yeah. And that makes sense. forgetting about enjoyment. Yeah. Valid. <laughs> Yep. So anyways, that's all for this week. Next time, we'll be reading Divergent by Veronica Raw. Just a heads up, we are not going to be reading the entire series because no. we don't want to do that. Okay, yeah, because Insurgent and Allegiant are incredibly boring. We're not doing that. But we are going to talk about the other books. Specifically in, yeah. the very end of the yes. third book. And the revelations about the world that you get in the third book, about mm -hmm. the whole genetic cure or whatever the heck. God, I don't on. even remember that part. Just, just Look at the Wikipedia. Okay, that also works. That explains why the heck there's this world. Perfect. So anyways, yeah, we're going to be doing that next week. Um, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WTKA underscore podcast. And exciting announcement, we now have a TikTok. Same yes. username. Come follow us. We haven't made any as of recording this episode, but by the time this episode is out, hopefully we will have some TikToks up. You can also yeah. check out our website, link in the description. Yep. Thanks for listening. Find, Find yourself a code red hottie and have a great day. It doesn't have to be European. Yeah, not a, not a requirement. <laughs> yes. <laughs>